Hello and welcome to Beyond the Wicket. This is Dipanjan. I've got Naman with me. And today we are covering the second test of Ashes 2023 where Australia just beat England. And it was quite a controversial affair. Hi Naman, what do you think of the second test? Hi there, Banjal. Good to be back here. Oh, fantastic, fantastic match once again. Such a treat to watch. Test match cricket still going very strong. Two competitive sides. As a cricket fan, you can't expect for more and more. And it's just the second test. There are three more tests remaining. Australia in the upper hand winning 2-0. England are under pressure. They have to make sure that they have to win the test series. And what Ben Stokes is still optimistic and positive about that. We can still beat Australia 3-2. So this will be exciting. They, are not lo- they have not lost the hope. I'm looking forward for more and more test matches. But a great game. Great game once again. I agree. What a great game it was. And it's just too on the trot. Like even the last game and this one. It's been an absolute treat. For a test, like for a test cricket fan like myself, and I honestly can't um can't believe what what's happening. It's just we got so much to talk about. Um, but let's start from the start, I guess. Um, England won the toss uh, again and still failed to capitalize on the um for the second time in a row. For this test match, when England chose to bowl, they had everything. The pitch was in their favour. It was lush green outfield, overcast conditions. And you would expect from England's bowling, particularly from Anderson, that if there will be any wicket there, he can pick wickets. It has to be the Lord's wicket if you see on day one. But he didn't look that much in form or Australia played it better. Warner played really well. Even though he scored 66 runs, he was very positive. He got out of a very good delivery from Josh Tung, which was a very good decision at the end, if you say, from the England side to get him back. He made his mark. He was quicker than the rest of the England bowlers. Kwaja made sure that Kwaja and Warner both survived the first session without losing wicket. I think Kwaja got out of the last ball of the first session. Yeah, but he yeah. did made his job. He, he didn't score that many runs. He he only scored 17, but he made sure that he was there at the wicket. I think that was the most difficult time. First day, first innings, overcast conditions. Absolutely. And, it was just, yeah. uh, just conditions tailor-made for England, right? English bowling attack. For, for Broad and Anderson, that's their bread and butter. That's what they have been doing for the last like 15-20 years. Right? And it was just you know, hand-picked conditions for the English bowlers. And I think they missed a trick there. Um, the whole session, I think Kwaja and Warner batted beautifully. And it was, again, very polar opposite. You have uh, classical test innings from Kwaja. Like, he was just seeing the good balls of, you know, leaving the odd ones. And you have Warner who was playing at an average, of, uh, sorry, at a strike rate of 75. But you can see, like, two very different approaches. But they... All, like they saw off the first session, you know, quite successfully. Again, I am, you know, in the, the last moment, Kwaja got out, but they played beautifully. And um, yeah, and yeah, the introduction of Josh Tung seems really refreshing because that added a bit of a freshness and a bit of pace to the English sporting attack, which otherwise seemed, you know, pretty dull 
uh, in the beginning. It was quite disappointing, to be honest, because uh, Lord's pitch, lush green uh, top, you have the new ball, Ingman bowling, and they, cho- they chose to bowl first. And you have Anderson and Broad, you know, you would expect some fireworks from there. And I think it was quite disappointing um, to end to see Anderson not firing again. Um, I think, yeah, there, there are some, you know, writings on the wall, I guess. Uh, it's kind of sad, but yeah, we'll, we'll come to that point later on. Um, I think um, Australia batted beautifully. Smith, um, all the all the stick that he got in the last match, we saw you cry on the telly. And then this guy comes back, scores 100 when it mattered the most. I mean, it was, I would say he's hands down the best, best batsman of this generation. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And the way he played, it was just amazing. And like really well supported by Travis Head as well. And this guy, man, I, I just love watching him bat. Again, this the in this innings as well, he uh, his strike rate was above 100. He scored 77 from 73 balls. And it was just beautiful to watch him play. And then you have Steve Smith at the other end playing the absolute classical test innings. It's just this this the first innings of Australia has been, you know, um like the just the polar opposite, uh, the the best of both worlds with, with Juaner and Kwaja and then later on with uh, Smith and Travis Had. Yes, absolutely. Smith once again proved why literally he's the best in the world, especially in test matches. He started off aggressively. If he he was very attacking at the start, then he slowed down and when Travis Travis Head came after Labuschagne's dismissal, he was on the mood, in the mood to attack, like scoring above 100 strike rate with 14 fours. He, they both looked really solid and then made sure that day one belonged to Australia. It's just that they lost two wickets in the end thanks to Joe Roots bowling, who was the only spinner for England in this test match. But yeah, Smith, one of the great innings again, like Every time he scores 100, you feel like that's one of his great innings. One of the greatest yeah. innings by him. Like, Absolutely. every time. Every Absolutely. Time. Yeah. <clears throat> True. It's just, there's so many to pick from. Like, his, his great innings. Um, he just, just the way he bats every time, even when he's not successful, he just looks so assured uh, at the pitch. I don't think I've seen many players, even when they're going for a rough phase, just to look as assured as Smith does uh, at times. Um, and going going to the Travis Head dismissal, um, in in one of the previous episodes, we talked about uh, Joe Root being the number eight uh, top all-rounder in test ranking. And he proved that again with that Travis Head dismissal. Have you seen that ball? It's just, he, he saw Travis Head, you know, sort of um, dancing down the track and playing the sort of the flighted delivery and he he gave one you know like a loopy flighted delivery and it spun you know quite a bit and that loopy sort of... flighted delivery outside the off stem like he yeah. bowled it really wide classical classical off, off spinner delivery it was beautiful to watch and good that uh, Johnny Bairstow had a better keeping as well than the first test match <laughs> yeah yeah 
he also tried to do something sneaky with uh, with labishain uh, if i'm not mistaken uh, something that you know came back to bite him day 5 <laughs> we yeah. talk about we'll, we'll, we'll yeah we'll we'll get to that we'll get to the we'll get to the meaty part <laughs> right uh, australia i think the first innings was was great i think they sort of um you know won it on the first first innings on the, the first day itself much like they did on the wtc final uh, when you score more than 400 in the first innings you don't lose very often yes but having said that uh, after day 1's domination of australia england did bowl better on starting of the day 2 getting them all out for 416 mind you if you see the scores for day 1 it didn't look like they will be getting out for 416 the way Two. smith was playing you could expect easily like i was expecting 500 to be honest yeah they they yeah, actually they lost uh, yeah you're right they lost um, seven wickets for just 100 runs they really bowled well on day 2 yeah, to restrict yeah. to 400 16 otherwise it could have been worse for them yeah yeah true true uh, actually um it's just a worrying sign for australia to be honest because it's in the second innings as well it was something very similar they they had another i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a collapse but again they in the second innings as well they lost some eight wickets for 90 odd runs i think that's a bit of a worrying sign for australia even even though um, you know labushain looked very solid uh, so did warner travis had steve smith scored a century but and sort of the late um, lower order aren't contributing as much and the wickets do seem like one brings two as i say yes so that that seemed like a worrying sign in both the innings absolutely um uh, and after that england did bowl well to australia in the second innings but before that when england came on to bat i would just like to talk about that they had a very good start zach crawley and ben duckett like they had a very solid solid partnership 90 odd runs for the first wicket they were playing at a very good strike rate both the batsmen they were t- attacking mitchell stark from ball 1 like literally they were treating mitchell stark as a medium pace bowler who's a part time bowler rather they yeah. were attacking him from the ball from the first ball itself yeah and then uh, the same with hazelwood as well and yes. with cameron green and surprisingly nathan lyon the last test match who was going above four runs and over was the most economical bowler in the first innings very yeah. sad that he got that injuries calf stain and he was out but before that he did manage to pick the first wicket of zach crawley stump beautiful stumping by alex carey yeah 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 i think they were well set to um, you know get go, get on to a century partnership I think um, Zach Crawley again. There was so much talked about uh, about him. I think he's playing very well, uh, at least in the first innings he did very well. And then there's Ben Duckett. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't uh, quite convinced. He was doing very well in the counties that I've heard and you know I've read about. But uh, the way he's played in this uh, this match, both the innings, he I think he looked. the most assured if i have to compare like to both innings if i have to take that into consideration he was absolutely brilliant i think he it was very unfortunate he missed his essentially by just two runs 
that is just you know it's very disheartening to see anyone uh, lose out on a on a century on a well deserved century and he was playing at a strike rate of 73 again uh, he looked very assured very positive um he sort of you know personifies the 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 baseball cricket that they want to play uh very fearless i think in the first innings uh, he left two balls i think that's the only ones he he ever left in in the in the test innings or in the test series or some, um, you know there was just something stats like that he was asked about that in a press conference as well and he was like uh, i was really sad that i had to leave the two balls i mean that's just that's just uh, you know tells you about the modern day test cricket what is what it's evolving into and uh, yeah I'm, this is very exciting and uh, yeah and the way ben duckett played both the innings it was really really impressive really good to watch him but like ben duckett he is proving that he deserves that opening slot and he will be there in even, honestly even i was surprised that i wasn't expecting ben duckett to be playing that well and especially when stark came i was expecting okay australian bowlers for this test match will be quicker because of stark but the way he was playing oh my god like so good so good to watch and i think with time he learn more and more that he threw away his wicket if you can say that ben duckett he could have scored a century yeah but with the second innings he was much better playing that short ball Yeah, I so, think he played the short ball really well uh, in the first innings. Like all throughout uh, the second innings as well. Uh, we will get to at, how, at, how he got out in the second. second but at least in the second innings, he was more playing the shots grounded than playing in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the short arm jabs he was playing, it was absolutely beautiful. It was very, uh, very similar to how uh, Shubman Gill plays. It's just sort of uh, the short arm jab to you know. Yes. Um, get to get on top of the short ball it was amazing and and mind you he's not a he's not a tall guy for him to do that to counter the short ball like that and and play the short arm jab it's not it looks very effortless but it's it's not it's it's very hard to play that shot and the amount of short balls both these teams have bowled you don't see that very often in a test match like after crawley's dismissal when bendaker and olipo were batting well Australia changed their plan and tried to bowl short balls. The field was set. They knew that England players will be going for shots, and they got tricked. They were going for shots, and then they got out. England batters did throw away the wickets, even Root for that matter. Brook did score a fifty, but you know, all giving away the wickets straight to the fielders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. You gotta if you live by the sword, you gotta die by the sword, right? If you have to play that sort of attacking cricket, I think I think that's somewhere you have to draw a line. Then there's attacking cricket, and I understand you have to play a brand of cricket with baseball and you know whatever you want to call it. I I was really excited to see a new new sort of new side of Test cricket, but you gotta play the situation first, and. you can't just go on and you know throw your bat at everything there there's a time you have to build an innings there england had a great opportunity to take a lead on the first innings right uh, the stage was set for them ben duckett played very well um harry brook was set um joe root again didn't get going 
with both with Stokes and with Besto, they could have sort of stayed played uh played a lot. I think Stokes was looked very sensible. Um, he he was pretty he was going slow trying to build the innings, but yeah, England had an opportunity to to take on the lead. Some of like any one of them had any one of them stayed on the crease and played a big innings, they would have done that. Um, yeah, they 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 had an opportunity and they sort of threw that away. Yep, and this shows that you know first innings becomes very important. If you get that lead, and the more lead that you get, it's always going to be better. England did miss a chance. The wicket was absolutely fine. You can't blame the wicket that oh wicket did this did this or that. No, Australia later on came to a different plan and they executed it well. And England got trapped. They didn't play with their minds. They were still going to attack, and that's where they threw away the wickets. Yeah, I mean the pitch looked um, rather dead. I mean, I mean, first it happening. was the most difficult time. In yeah. in that way, Australia played well on day one, but after that, it was fine. The wicket was fine. But then even. Australia with the second innings, England did the similar thing. They were also bowling short balls to them. Khwaja did play well once again in the second innings. This time he scored a fifty. He scored seventy-seven. Yeah. Typical test innings once again with a strike rate of forty-one. He was there. He wasn't going for the shot straight away, but when they were bowling short balls to him, at one point he did hook and then brought got the wicket of Khwaja. Warner once again got uh, out by Josh Tung. Beautiful delivery once again. So Josh Tung did prove that he was the right selection in the end. I would yeah, say absolutely. rather I would say rather Labushin was batting so well. Yeah, his ball that he got out of James Anderson was the worst delivery. Literally wide, he went for it. He gave straight to the point in the hands of Harry Brook. Yeah, I mean, he was that sort of that sort of ball. Labushin would the century, yes, he would lap it up like nine point five times out of ten, right? It was just sort of that one one time, you know, you, you get a get an edge. It was unfortunate, but he yeah, I think I think so yeah, talking about Kwaja, the the way he is playing is just brilliant. I mean, it's um, you know, it's one of those um. How do I say? It's, it's like it's like the lost art of test opening, because there are so few classical test openers left in world cricket. If you see, who um you know, and who are playing for a consistent amount of time. Uh, I know Khwaja wasn't there for uh, in in between like last two years. He he was gone and he came back again, uh, um like a couple of years ago. And before that, he again he was out in the wilderness. Um, Warner is again one of them, where he has he has been playing for for quite a long time. Uh, there's Dean Alger, to an extent there's Rohit Sharma. There's uh, um, and I can't yeah there's Braithwaite from West Indies. I think it's one of those yeah they they are those very few, uh very few remaining rare breed of test openers were well, like classical test openers. Uh, they won't throw their bat at everything, but uh, they are not just you know occupying the crease, just seeing off the balls. Like he, they would, they would take calculated risks, and you know they would play the situation. 
it's not as if like khwaja can't can't attack like he does when he has to but this was a situation where you have to take a big lead uh, you have a 91 run or 92 run lead and now you want to capitalize on it and you know you have um you have an english bowling attack bowling with new ball you have broad and anderson and you want to see off you know the first sort of session and see how it goes and then at the other end i think warner started well but again warner warner got out labushin looked good he got but out but warner warner did also play 76 deliveries so oh, opening yeah. he, he took a yeah, time he was yeah he was very good he looked solid but uh, the like he just couldn't build like a big partnership um warner yeah, just uh, 63 run partnership yep. uh, labushin looked solid but then labushin got out so he had to stay there like he did um, you know all throughout the last wtc cycle like when you know everyone got out there's one guy who kept you know who who kept his ground in was khwaja it was very symbolic like that he he occupied the crease he tried to build partnership but then i think once khwaja got out they just lost like seven eight wickets seven wickets within the space of like 90 runs like there there just wasn't any partnership going and i think in the beginning of the podcast when i said um in the first innings as well they just lost eight wickets in the space of 100 runs here they lost again seven or eight wickets in the space of 90 92 runs um because even then england did find out the way of bowling short balls again and again and Australia. Yeah, it was. Back it was. It was like. It. Yeah, it was like uh, we're back to 1930s with a borderline series. Yeah. <laughs> but I think. But here, mind you, Australian. Anything. See the Australian batting lineup. Their strike rates are, if you see, 45, 50. Yeah. Like that. So they did. I think England did bowl around 100 overs still, even in the second innings. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they bowl hundred and one. In particular, overs. England bowlers in particular, every session they bowl average of twenty overs. Yeah, and this only second Test match they they have done a lot of bowling within the first two matches, and yeah, the three think, more matches to come within the month of July. So it will be hectic for bowlers. Exactly, I think one of the two teams realize that it's a five day match, then you can pace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you you can tire out your opposition. It's a five test match series. It's a long series. You know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think one of the one of the teams realizes it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And but uh, uh, before going yeah. on anything, like you know, we should talk a bit about Nathan Lyon. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what courage! and that's just that's next level i don't think i've seen anything anything like that um we have seen that uh, we have seen graham smith playing with a broken arm we have seen um uh, anil kumble bowling with a uh, broken jaw but to come out because you know you need every every run that you can get to get a big lead big especially after the team lost so many so many quick wickets to come out with an injury like that where he's struggling to walk and then he gets off the mark with a boundary i mean what a legend i mean he's called gold for a reason he is i think before talking about how courageous he was firstly we should congratulate him like on playing 100 consecutive test matches 
first as a bowler and oh, sixth yes. overall like yeah. that itself is an achievement yeah playing if playing 100 test matches wasn't enough this guy played 100 consecutive test matches exactly like, since the day he debuted to this test match when it started in australia played 100 test matches and he featured in each and every one of those i mean playing in different conditions picked every time for different conditions exactly exactly so big, be it india or it's sri lanka or it's you know england doesn't matter what what's the conditions are what the pitch is like nathan line is there i mean that's that is just especially in today's time right that's just and when he's not a captain you can have uh, i think alistair cook has the big like i think he's played 150 plus Um, 159, I guess. Yeah, 159. I think we we have a Instagram post uh, about that. But he he was the captain for the longest time. But you have Nathan Lyon. He's not the captain, or he's not a uh, your front line's uh, fast bowler. What Australia is known for, and despite that, holding on to your spot, you have played significant amount of time in Australia or in England, where you know the spin spin doesn't get spin bowling doesn't get favorable conditions. and despite that holding on to your place for 100 straight test matches that's that's just phenomenal especially in today's time that's phenomenal and on top of that playing at lords like wow yeah i think yeah that's that's cherry on top i think to to do that on um, at, at lords your 100 test match your 100 consecutive test match and then having you know the balls to sort of come out Bad, come out to bat with an injury where you're struggling to walk, and then get off the mark with a boundary. I mean, that just sums up the kind of character he is. Um, the the end. I kind of fe- felt pity on him. I I almost cried seeing him in that position. Like, yeah, it was hard. Sports injuries can be are very tough, especially in a big moment where Lyon's contribution was immense. He. he was the only spinner and he is a such a lethal weapon even in the first test even in the second test match first innings before he got the calf strain injury he did manage to pick up a wicket yeah. so he did contribute with the bowl and then with the bat to say i can do anything for the team to go out and bat he knew the consequences he can get the severeness of the injury he did yeah. run as well hobbling off trying to take a run hmm. like to yeah. have that courage is a big thing like oh my god easily yeah. he could have said no and i'm pretty sure even australian management would have also agreed okay if you don't want to go and bat yeah yeah they did had a 15 runs partnership in the end it yeah. was important at one time considering how england were playing when ben stokes was hitting all over the places yeah then you realized every run mattered and then you realized you know it was all it was good that nathan line came on to bat and still had a 15 run partnership you know and the What kind of character you? and the kind of character that, that he character. is yeah i think i think he i'm pretty sure he's the one who insisted uh, i'm pretty sure the physios and everyone would have uh, you know suggested otherwise i'm pretty sure he's the one who insisted he wants to come out because he knows he can't bowl in the fourth innings right uh when his team needs him the most in the fourth day pitch when you have um england chasing you want your front line spinner there and when the pitch isn't doing much for the pacers 
and there was only one way he could con- contribute uh, if it's to come out to bat and if we, if we can get like one or two boundaries away you know every run counts in a, in a run chase right when you're defending a total so i think props to him a uh, massive salute to him um to sort of play 100 test matches 100 consecutive test matches and then to have the courage to do that for your team putting your body on the line i mean no words are enough to you know to sort of um encapsulate that that sort of courage it's just absolutely brilliant and you know massive massive salute from us it's just an inspiration for so many young players players who are still playing like it's such a treat to watch absolutely you don't want that sort of injury to happen to anyone but still to have that courage to f- fight go back go and bat with that position with that situation hats off hats off yeah yeah and just on the flip side there were some mama like kevin peterson uh, even though it was cleared out later on which i'm not too convinced about but uh, kevin peterson suggested that uh, you know it's just stupid to come out to bat with that that sort of an injury and the only logical reason would be you know when because england are bowling so many bouncers that if he gets hit on the helmet they could get a concussion sub and he could get todd murphy like like for like replacement and um, like what 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 do you think about that even though even though the next day uh, ricky ponting uh, cleared that out that it was it wasn't uh, you know we were suggesting that he the only reason australia sent him to bat was to get hit on the helmet it was to say otherwise that you know it was risky for him to go out and bat because he could get hit on the head not too convincing and uh, even nathan lang came out to sort of reply to that statement saying that's just very poor because he lost one of his friends which is phil hughes to to that sort of a delivery to getting you know getting hit on the head and it's just a very poor conversation that's being had that's being held right um but yeah ricky bondi came out the next day and uh, cleared that out but what do you think about that i think regarding the con- concussion part i i maybe would have thought in if australia didn't had enough bowlers but they already had four bowlers even without line and then you had steve smith who can bowl a bit travis head who can bowl a bit who picked up two wickets in the first inning so i wouldn't have thought much on the concussion part for this match in particular maybe if you just had four bowlers itself then you can think of this plan if you want to in the hindsight but i don't think even i would have looked for concussion matter yeah i, I don't think, think any... I, i don't think he was wrong because he was also worried because you don't want at the end of the day to aggravate that injury you know because now it's pretty sure that he won't be there for the rest of the series but uh i think different approaches uh, different thought process nothing else but i don't think kevin peterson was saying in a wrong way and he yeah, um, he's I'm very pretty, honest about sure. kevin peterson in general he's very honest about things and he supports cricket even if australia if they play well he will he will be the first one who will be encouraging and saying congratulations well played he has he has had many battles with australians but he's also his one of his best friends was 
the Australian great Shane Warne. So, I I don't think Kevin Peterson did say in a wrong way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, he, he's a very fair guy. Even after yeah. the first match, he was um, pretty much against England's approach. And even in this match, like, he was saying, like, what's with all the friendliness, right? This is a battle. Yeah, yes. um, and, yeah, I mean, it just came across very... Uh, came across in a very wrong way. But um, you can understand from Lion's side as well, you know. Yeah, getting, absolutely. You know, I mean, getting he, to know then, like you know, the, the kind be... of suggestion that, uh, you know, you the only reason you came out of bed was to get hit in the head so your team could get a replacement. I think, like, for, for from his perspective, yeah, it just seems very, very yeah. crass. And also very from wrong. inside Lion is heard that he won't be part of the rest of the series. So emotions are also coming out from him. So it, it's it's all right, like, but I'm pretty sure Kevin Peterson didn't say in a wrong way. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hoping, um, but I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, this is this is like a very shocking thing, um, and yeah, wouldn't expect this from someone like Kevin Peterson. So yeah, I'm 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't meant that way. Yeah, it came across very wrong, but yeah, I'm I'm willing to. And if if Ricky Ponting is the one who uh, came out to clear it up the next day, and then I'm, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm buying it. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Nathan in Nathan Lyon injury leaves Australia without a frontline spinner. So I think the only sort of like for like replacement in the next match would be Todd Murphy. Or do you think Australia would go like depending on the conditions? Uh, it's it's in Leeds next the next match, which is known for its sort of flat ish pitch. Do you think they would go with a Todd Murphy or you know they would go with a Boland? I think keeping that Australia is 2-0 ahead, you would want to win one more game and make sure that you win the series. But still, I would want Murphy to play because it's a good time. Murphy sooner or later will be then playing for Australia when you won't be having line. So it's a good opportunity, good platform yeah. if he plays that. And he also needs big games, you know. He needs mm. more and more games, big games, to make sure that he feels secure and he thinks that he can play for Australia. He's done well in India. If he yeah. performs well here in the Ashes, that will be a huge boost to him. And also why I don't want another fast bowler for the third test match. Also because you need some rotation policy like for fast bowler, keeping in mind there are still three matches remaining. All of which yeah. need to happen in the month of July. So you yeah. would want, I would want to have one bowler rest. Maybe I would want Hazelwood to give a mm. rest for next test match and uh, bring back bowling. Right. Okay. So let's that, let's come back to the uh, like the sort of the selection of the next match a little bit later on. Coming back to England's run chase. Okay. Uh, England had uh, three eighty-seven or three eighty-four to chase. 371. 371, right. Okay, I mean, big total for sure. Uh, but with the, with the current, the way they are playing, um, I think it was pretty much, at least for, for from their perspective, it was pretty much gettable. When you, when you, when you have uh, Ben Duckett and Zach Rawley playing the way they are, like you would expect them to sort of give a big start. And then you have the always ever dependable Joe Root, and you have Harry Brooks and Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow. So the batting lineup is huge. 
So even though it, it's a big total, it's it's not, you know, totals upwards of 350 and 370. It's not chased down every day. But you would give, like, if, if there's anyone, you would give an outside chance to chase that down. I think it would be England, right, at, the, at this moment. Oh, yes, surely. And keeping in mind, they have chased 350 run chases, I guess, twice. One, once they scored 378 against India in the fourth inning. So, yeah. anything less than 400 definitely will give England a chance of winning it. And, and they had overs there as well. So, you can't say overs were less. Nothing. They had yeah. perfect platform. Yeah. I think day four, when they came in the last session, they still had 30 overs and then whole of day five. So, yeah. overs wasn't an issue. But yeah. then how uh, Mitchell Stark came up in front, picking up two wickets, peach of deliveries. like Especially to Ollie Pope, that middle stump, gone. Yeah. Like a typical Stark wicket. Ball coming back in. Australia were up front attacking. They picked up four wickets with around 40 runs something. Yeah. And then the partnership happened. Joe Root also this time failing once again uh, by Pat Cummins. Yeah. All those short yeah, I mean, yeah, to sort of recap, um, like England like started off pretty, pretty poorly, right? Australia, Australia lost the momentum with um, with the with the with the way they lost very frequent wickets, they lost like eight wickets in within ninety two runs. So like, even though it was a big total, but the momentum was firmly with England the whole time. So they had the momentum going into the run chase, and then they lost it very quickly. And I think in the third over itself, they lost Zach Rowley, and they kept losing wickets. They lost Oli Pope again two overs later. Um, Joe Root failed to get going. He he uh, he was out, and so was Harry Brook. So they lost wickets at very yes, frequent. They were like forty five for four. Yeah, I think they lost Joe Root and Harry Brook in the same over. Yes, to, to Cummins, and and the ball. By the way, just the the ball from Cummins to get rid of Harry Brook. I think it was oh, just yeah. oh. oh wow, that's just absolutely beautiful. That's delight. Every right-arm fast bowler's dream ball, right? It's just absolutely brilliant. Like what a peach of a delivery! Reminded me in 2019 as well. He picked Joe Root's wicket. Yeah, I don't remember identical ball. Identical. Yeah, yeah, identical. It was absolutely identical ball, and the identical way the batsman played as well. It was brilliant. But after that, I think they had a they had a, a good partnership. Between um, I think Ben Stokes and and Ben Duckett, Ben Duckett again, brilliant the way he played. Very uh, quite different the way he handled the short ball in the second innings. Um, but as as you mentioned earlier, he was sort of playing it along the ground, uh, again at a very high strike rate, seventy four. But like the way he was playing, just you know, just not not changing his approach, just playing the way he always does. With a very positive and attacking mindset, I think it was absolutely brilliant the way he was playing, and uh, and that sort of gave a new lease of life to the England run chase, which otherwise in the beginning I thought okay it was it was gonna end pretty soon. Yeah, you when you lose four wickets for forty five chasing three seventy one, Duckett still was very confident. He did score fifty 
before the end of day four, bef- uh, there was a controversy. I think on the last over of day four, when Stark took the catch and then later on came out that you know it, it was given not out by the third umpire. Yeah, I'm, but Stark looked very confident even you know after losing four wickets in front. Like yeah. Duck, it was a really really good match for Ben Duckett. Yeah, I think yeah, in, in the both in both the innings, if I have to pick one player, I think it was Ben Duckett who he looked absolutely assured of the way he was playing in both the innings. Yes, you have Ben Stokes again. We'll come to come to Ben Stokes. Um, just like the the phenomenal uh, clutch player that he is, you have Ben Stokes on fifty five. You have uh, Steve Smith century. But if I have to combine both the innings, I think it was for me the best batsman was Ben Duckett. Like the the way he was handling the short ball, um, the kind of assurance he he showed, I think was absolutely brilliant. And we also have to talk about how he got out. I think that was also a brilliant piece of uh, captaincy, like that just to set him set him up. I think uh, just the way. Uh, Alex Carey was was positioned. I think you pointed out earlier. Would you would you like to sort of elaborate that? Yeah. So, uh, Duckett was an eighty one. Before that, you know, Hazelwood was bowling round the uh, over the wicket to Duckett again that short ball, and he was standing like a t- typical wicket keeper, you know, outside the off stump. And when Duckett was an eighty three before he got out. On that particular ball, if you see in the highlights, Alex Carey is standing outside the leg stump. If you see on YouTube the highlights, he's standing outside the leg stump. Yeah. Hazelwood bowled a sh- short ball. He tried to dab it once again, and then straight into the hands of Carey's. Yeah. If you see that ball, it was such a great captaincy. You will not think. It yeah. was such a smart captaincy. Oh yeah, my god! This is this is something that would sort of go under the radar. It was brilliant. It was brilliant to watch. Like when you pointed it out, I actually missed it at first. When you pointed it out, and I was like, "Man, that's this is brilliant. This is something amazing," because like couple of balls before that, he was standing way past. He was sort of standing on the sixth, seventh stump line, right? To sort of go, because Hazelwood was bowling with that angle. And just for that ball, he was um, sort of the ball he bowled was sort of outside leg stump, like pitching leg or just outside leg to sort of, um, you know, entice him into playing that kind of shot. Yeah, and the reward was Hazelwood got and Australia got the wicket. Yeah, absolutely. And then on came Johnny Besto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, I think I would still. Uh, he looked all right before he got out. No. Yeah, he looked all right. That's that's the worst part. He looked okay, and then what happened uh, after his twenty-first ball, uh, last ball of the over, from Cameron Green, uh, Green bowled a bouncer. He left it. He ducked it, and for some reason, for or rather for no rhyme or reason he decided let's take a stroll <laughs> and 
and Alex Carey was absolutely clinical with that. He picked up the ball and threw it straight away, underarmed into the stumps. I think there was no moment of hesitation, no premeditation. Like he picked up the ball, saw him taking a stroll outside the crease and threw him, like threw it straight at the wicket. And mind you, Bairstow did the same thing. Uh, he tried the same thing against Labuschagne in the first innings. When Labuschagne left the left the ball, he threw it straight at the at the wicket. He missed it, but he attempted the exact same thing. And then when he was given out, there was just he wouldn't accept he wouldn't accept the decision. And with Stuart Broad going to Alex Carey saying, "This is what you'll be remembered for. Are you sure you want to do this?" And and all the furore that happened after that, it's just bizarre. I mean that is out, isn't it? Like you left the ball, the ball isn't dead. Like it's not as if Alex Carey had like wasted even a second. He picked up the ball and threw it straight at the wicket. I mean, yeah, I think and- it was just a moment of brain fade that you know. And and I think, um, I think Pat Cummins said it after the after the match, or someone said it that, uh, he was doing that for a few. They saw balls. the pattern. Yeah, they saw the pattern, and the only reason a uh, keeper would do that because he saw him uh, going outside the crease, like right after leaving the ball, like two, three balls like, consecutively, and they saw the pattern. Otherwise, why would a keeper do that in a test match? And he's standing at some distance. He's not like a medium bowler bowling. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a spinner or a medium pacer, right? He's standing quite a distance. You're right. Credit to Carey as well that, you know, he saw that pattern and then he threw straight onto the stumps. Yeah, it was just presence of mind. Presence of mind. In case if, if he would have missed it, then there wouldn't have been this debate at all. Then even yeah. Bairstow would have been like, oh, I need to be careful. But credit and to yeah, Carey and, once and, again. and the funniest thing that happened after that, like everyone booing, that's fine. Um, right after the break, and they were coming out and the long room turned into like Manchester Derby. <laughs> like everyone booing, abusing the players. I think one of the MCC members abused um, uh, Osman Khwaja or said something to him. I think three MCC members got suspended for that. And it just the entire crowd went like pretty rowdy. And the funniest thing among all of this is that the MCC members are, you know, annoyed at Australia, angry at Australia for playing by the rules written by the MCC. <laughs> I think irony just died a slow, painful death. I mean, it's just Ash's emotions because, and it was a huge wicket for Bairstow. If England had a believe two batsmen who can still chase those 371 runs, it was then... Ben Stokes and Bairstow. So yeah. it just the emotion. Bairstow, Bairstow has done that once against yeah, India. That, yeah. the, the wounds are fresh. <laughs> so and it's just the emotions. Obviously, if you're at the receiving end, then sometimes it can go that way. But that's fine. That happens in sports. It's not the yeah, first I time. Mean, it won't be yeah, the last if it, time. If it stayed, in, if it stayed uh, inside the ground, it, I think would would have been fine. But then... And sometimes, the players... it, you know, the brain fade moments do happen even yeah, to the great except players. that and move on man but then 
everyone had to come out uh, ben stokes came out and said hey, you know i if i had to win a match like that i wouldn't do it i wouldn't want to win a match like that as if like someone cheated or it's it's a brain fade moment you you made a stupid mistake accept it uh, even when he was uh, Be- uh, johnny basto when he came out to shake hands with everyone like he had an expression as if you know someone someone cheated very scary very mad very scary uh, yeah, yeah he, 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 he literally <laughs> feel like shake like, hands but yeah he, he looks like for the sake uh, of it yeah he looked like he he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna kill uh, someone ask, ask one of one of like uh, he's gonna ask alex carry to meet him outside the ground or something yeah. <laughs> one on one yeah <laughs> catch me outside how about that <laughs> and but obviously you, you have, have to also understand McCann. that england are now uh, england are 2-0 behind so yeah. they will be talking about such things it ha- spar and parcel So obviously yeah, I, when I you think, are you know 02 down you won't be t- you will be saying that it wasn't right shouldn't have happened but yeah. having said that like we were talking about before we started recording that ben folks did a similar thing uh, yeah against well, ireland yeah um listeners who are listening to this go to the youtube go to youtube look for the uh, clip ben folks stumping against ireland and uh, the thing is in that case ben folks collected the ball uh, the batsman was you know miles down in, in the in the inside the inside the crease it was a spinner so ben folks was sitting, um, standing near the stumps and he collected the ball and then he was waiting for a few seconds so the batsman thought the ball was dead while he was get, getting his feet up ben folks uh, dislodged the bales and brandon mccallum again baz of baseball who said he won't be having a beer with the australians anytime soon he tried very something very similar didn't he and who was the batsman do you know that it was it was paul collingwood <laughs> it was against england i mean you can't Champions you Trophy can't, you can't make this stuff up i mean it's just too good i mean this is brilliant you know if all the furor and everything stayed inside the ground it would have been great but when when you come out and you talk about Ashwin, the spirit of cricket i Ashwin think Ashwin did tweet oh that, yeah yeah he said um, he said something along the line that you know stay in the crease <laughs> no i think he also said that things like this should be you know a key, that was keeper's presence of mind so rather than booing or saying anything you know bad it's you should be crit credit should be given to the keeper yeah it was given to the keeper when ben folks did it it was called you know presence of mind and all those things obviously one team will say presence of mind other team will say against this yeah when when the shoe is on the other foot then it's it's wrong um yeah again as i as i said earlier it would have been fine if all the furrows stayed inside the ground then you come out and make uh, comments about the spirit of cricket again i mean it's just in the last few years somehow england and english players have become uh, have become like the custodians of spirit of cricket uh, joss butler decides you know if if you should be monkeyed again the term monkeyed is just run out at the at the non strikers end and just to sort of 
you know, going back to basics, just stay inside the line. That's just day one of cricket training when you're when you're at the ground at the first day of cricket training. If anyone who doesn't know what cricket is, the first thing that's being taught is for the batsman to stay inside the line and for the bowler to stay inside the line. How hard is it to stay inside the crease? England players just can't seem to understand basic rules of cricket. I mean, that's just funny at this point. It is, but what's done is done. You have to look onto the next test match and try not to repeat those mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, plenty of things. Uh, to talk about from this test, I think it was uh, entertainment galore. Um, in, in 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 a way, I think this this made it so interesting. It went to the fifth day of the match, uh, fifth day of the test, says similar similar to the last one. And above all, man, we have to talk about Ben Stokes. I mean, if there's one glimmer of hope for England, and it at one point it did look like he's gonna take the match away from Australia. He's gonna re- it's gonna be a repeat of Headingley. I mean, it's just the clutchest of all clutch players in world cricket at the moment. He did it again. He did it against New Zealand at the World Cup final. He did it at the T Twenty World Cup final. He again, of course, he did it at Headingley, and now again, I think. Any of these four matches, each of these four matches are like career-defining innings, right? A player would be lucky to have one or maybe two of these innings, but this guy, this is his fourth one. I mean, he's just at a very different level, and it's not as if he was at a great. He was in a great touch. He was playing well, but you know, he was getting like twenties and thirties, and not sort of converting into big big scores. But when the going gets tough, when you need him the most, Ben Stokes always shows up. And for some reason, he does love playing at Lords. Oh yeah, he does. It's just I think it's just when when there's a big occasion, he's one of those very few players, right? There's there's Virat Kohli like that. Like doesn't matter if he's in form or not. When there's a big occasion. He always steps up. I think it's just something about a big occasion that charges him up, and I think Ben Stokes is no no different. Also, also Stephen Smith for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. I think in the beginning of the podcast, I said he's um, he's probably the greatest uh, white ball, sorry, the greatest red ball player of this generation. I think I would. I think Ben Stokes. I think you know wouldn't sort of put him in that category, but he's just. Like a clutch player, right? When you need him the most, doesn't matter what format, like he shows up. And Virat Kohli tweeted after the match that you know it was I wasn't joking when I called Ben Stokes the most competitive bloke I've ever played against. Coming that from Virat Kohli, I think the most competitive cricketer, one of the most competitive cricketers the world cricket has ever seen. Coming that, you know, hearing that from him, I think that's big praise. Was such a beautiful innings. Like it was pure entertainment innings, and wow! And you needed a bit of luck as well if you wanna play such innings. It yeah, won't I have. He was by, dropped by dropped by Smith himself. Yes, after I think hundred and after scoring hundred, he was 
it was dropped by smith and you know if you saw the match all the fielders were outside the ring like on the edge of the boundary yeah, and still yeah. he had that guts of playing to all the bowlers and scoring nine fours and nine sixes yeah i think the best or dismissal sort of triggered that the, the sixes and that sort of attacking intent because otherwise he his paced the innings beautifully i think it and was and he paced it such a way that he was calculative as well he wasn't just slogging yeah 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 i think it was and i think that that was what was missing should learn from him as well that you know okay if you want to play an attacking mode of cricket that's fine but at the same time you need to read and understand the situation and then go about it you can't just slog or hit the hit every second ball that's what i think ben stokes that's why he's one of the greats because he's not just playing in a t20 sort of mode he can change the gears he can play in first gear second gear third gear fourth gear fifth gear which the new players the english batsmen out there should also realize you know to adapt as well if you're playing the highest form of cricket which is test cricket yeah i think that, that that's exactly what was missing from from the england innings because they went out playing the shots um i think all the baseball hype they sort of bought into the hype they took it too seriously um all of them sort of went out try to play play you know attacking cricket when when in reality you have to build the innings you know you have to you have to play the occasion you have to play the situation you can't always go out trying to hit every ball and if you see ben stokes is a captain right he he is a one who bought into the philosophy of baseball or you know to play that brand of cricket but he understands the situation he paced his innings beautifully you know you can see in the highlight reels you can see the 94 the 96s but apart from that you have to if you take those out you have to see how he paced his innings even later on he wasn't hitting every ball you know he was taking calculated risks he was targeting specific bowlers at specific times trying to play the field so i think it was absolutely phenomenal to to see that and i think that's exactly what was missing from from the rest of the batting lineup i think uh, apart from ben duckett i think you know everyone sort of um you know, like ev- everyone failed to get going i think that's exactly where they fell short and they didn't lose by a big margin i think they lost by 43 runs so i think just one more partnership would have changed the game but also at the same time credit should be given to broad as well at that time there was a 100 run partnership between stokes and broad broad just scored 11 runs of 36 balls but the amount of time he was there with stokes they, it did make an impact yeah he held it, on he held at one point it, there was a chance you were thinking okay you know you were 9 2019 headingly can be repeated once again yeah i think and australia ben, were aware of that ben stokes well, dro- catch was dropped you know you had the luck in favor yeah i i, I thought that's ben where stokes. they lost the match australia i thought it's go- it was going to be headingly repeat again because stuart brought like looked really assured um and ben stokes and him i think again ben stokes wasn't going ham at the bowlers for for like four or five overs straight they only scored like one run over and over where ben stokes would take the single and you know ask broad to sort of negotiate the next two balls they did that for for quite a while and 
it looked like he's going to take the game away from them. You know, it's going to be a headingly repeat. But credit to Australia as well. So when I was watching the match, I saw that the sixes that Ben Stokes was hitting was all towards the leg side. So the Australia were bowling in that particular area, you know, middle stump. Uh, all the fielders are wide. Still, Stokes was going up. Stokes was going after every bowler. I think after drinks bait, what sensible thing Australian bowlers did? They were bowling outside the off stump, trying to make him reach. So if you see the dismissal as well, they were all bowling wide, and that's yeah, why you think yeah. the shots in the offside, it's difficult than you know playing on the leg side or on side. Yeah, and because that's he, because all the sixes he hit, of, most of it is was towards leg side. He was very comfortable yes. with the balls coming coming towards him, coming towards at him. him. So Australia, kudos to Australia. Thank God they realized at the right time that. You know they can they should bowl outside the off stump. Otherwise, hadn't been maybe five six more overs, you could have changed the you know the scenario because he was going almost every second third over. But after that, you know the the pace uh the run rate slowed down a bit when they were bowling outside the off stump, and that made Ben Stokes to play that shot. Which he didn't connect, and then Carey took the catch of bowl by Hazelwood. So kudos to Australia as well of going to that tactics. And then after that, you know, Broad Robinson straight away coming up, slogging straight yeah, into I the hands of the yeah, fielder. Josh Stung was there for for quite some time. Uh, he he played a quite a handy knock. Yes, nineteen runs. Yeah, you know, the, there was hope for for England. I think like. All throughout the throughout the innings, I I'm, I mean when it was just Josh Tang and Anderson, I mean it, it looked, uh, you know, the, the too steep a target for them. But you never know, like the way Josh Tang was playing and Anderson, he's no bunny with the bat. He he has um you know he has played quite a few significant innings with the bat. So, he got hit. He got hit on helmet as well by Stark, but oh, they yeah, were still there. But I didn't understand at that time why we, they were still bowling bouncers to them. Like literally, they could have won the match, maybe by around sixty odd runs if they would have pitched it, you know, right bowling stump to stump. But because when you bowl bowl short and tongue especially was making room, then he was hitting it in the gap for twos, one two fours. So it if you see the last wicket by Mitchell Stark, he pitched that ball up. Which tongue missed and then yeah. what bowl? Yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I think that's that's just. Uh, I think it's just um, fast bowlers' egos when you have fast bowlers from the opposition, because we have seen that quite 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 often uh, that happened when when you have a tail enders like the fast bowlers would go and bowl bouncers at them, because back in the day it was sort of as uh, like a unwritten rule that you wouldn't bowl bouncers at at tail enders. But now it's just the opposite. Uh, even in the Lords Test, India England, which India won the sixty overs of hell, that one, where you had Bumrah and Shami, that partnership. The all throughout uh, that spell, they were they were England pacers were bowling bouncers at Shami and Bumrah, and no one was pitching it up. Then similar thing up again happened uh, against India. Um, during the Border Gavaskar Trophy, 
like in in 2020 like they were bowling uh, bouncers at at the at the tailenders so i think it's just maybe it's just sort of playing with the with the ego of the of your of the opposition pacers yes but sometimes you know uh yeah i mean it defies logic <laughs> you know because yeah. i, I mean the, the, the easiest way to get a number 10 or number 11 would be to you know bowl at the stumps because they might defend five but maybe the sixth one would you know sort of get past the defense exactly but yeah overall uh, australia was a better team and especially first innings and that lead of 90 plus runs that made a difference Yeah yeah and I they think, yeah, played the well when the when the pitch was the most difficult time to bat on at yeah. that time they scored runs so kudos to australia i think after 2000 once the first time that seeing again of winning the ashes back in england yeah you never still, know you never know ben stokes you never know yeah ben stokes promised a 3-2 and i wouldn't put put it past the english team to come back because you know they're not you know they're not the ones to be written off not as of yet i agree i agree i, I think best way is just to go to next match and thinking one test at a time and not three because yeah. you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself yeah, yeah. but having said i think that you need to now under, think that every game is a do or die game absolutely oh, so yeah. it's a must sorry it's a must win game it's a knockout game yeah 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 i think um Yeah I mean even if uh, even if they draw the next test which is which I think is highly unlikely but even if they do then the best case scenario would be 2-2 and Australia would still retain the ashes so the only way for England to come back is to win the next next match at at Leeds do you really think is going to be a draw unless it rains i don't think so both teams no, are going yeah, to yeah it's it's highly unlikely a draw i think unless, unless if it rains yeah, unless you have like a day or two washed out by rain Uh, which i don't think is in the forecast uh, then we're going to we're, we're definitely going to see a result and um, it's going to be a flat pitch um, which which we have seen historically at leeds like it it tends to sort of you know linger towards uh, the flatter side and i would and i i wouldn't put it past england to you know come back in in, in a big way Let's see, but um, I'm still. Ex- it's going to be an exciting series. Yeah, yeah. I think like my logic says it's going to be Australia, but yeah, Australia will be favorites. Like yeah, Australia, Australia would be favorites. Favorite. But yeah, I think I think uh, like an England comeback would be quite exciting, and I think it's on the cards. Yeah, England's win then it will make even more exciting for you know test viewers to watch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not over. Yeah, this I not think just for just for the sake of that, to keep the series alive. I series think I'm, I'm backing English, English to so the the English to come back. And, and I think it will be a test for Ben Stokes, the management, and the players as well to step yeah. up on you know big occasions. And this is surely one of those occasions where they can prove. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now you are under pressure. Now how are you going to perform? Before yeah. that, you were not under pressure that much. You were. you had the whole freedom now you guys are under pressure and the kind of cricket you're playing so let's see how the approach now is going to be yeah, they're still going yeah. to play positive aggressive cricket but it's just that a bit of sensible cricket is also required nothing else 
Exactly. You just have to play cricket. Forget about baseball cricket. You know, your baseball isn't badging anymore like it used to badge. <laughs> like if but, you want to see the field as well and then score, don't throw away the wicket. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bit especially of, in the just, first just a bit of common you're sense. Not, especially in the first innings when you're not chasing or anything like that, make sure you have the good first innings score. Yeah. Yeah, and don't declare early. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think one one thing that we, we missed so far was um, you know credit to the bowlers, the fast bowlers. Because the pitch didn't have much to offer, which we thought it would. Uh, the first day, it looked like lush green. It looked like a typical Lord's wicket with overcast conditions. But after that, it sort of went, uh, you know, it was went towards a flatter side. And I think the bowlers from both the teams had no other options but to bowl short. Uh, with England bowling short, it made sense because they lacked pace. Uh, none of the bowlers were, you know, bowling north of one forty consistently. I think Josh Tung was uh, was an exception there. Josh Tung was very good. But then you have Broad and Anderson and and Robinson all bowling medium pace. So I think, and despite that, uh, Broad was very good in the in the first innings. Second innings. In second the second, second innings. innings. Yeah. yeah, in the second innings. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I think credit to the bowlers, fast bowlers. Uh, in in the first innings, it was uh, Robinson got three wickets, but I think Josh Tung looked really good. He looked really that looked um, like his his introduction looked really refreshing. Second innings, it was Broad for England. And um, you know, for Australia, it was stark in the first innings, and again, and in the second innings, like all the bowlers looked really good. Like Australia, like their their trio with Cummins, Hazelwood, and Stark, I think they looked really good. Looked really lethal. Yeah, all picked up three wickets in the second innings: Stark, Cummins, and Hazelwood. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you know there are plenty of positives for both the teams to take it to the next match. Um, what Australia sort of in the second innings where the batsmen lacked, I think they the bowlers made you know bowlers sort of made it made it up for them. Yeah, so that shows that it's a team sport. Everyone is contributing one form yeah. or the other. Exactly. So they're not just depending on dependent on one or two players. Exactly. Cool. I think um yeah, so I think our prediction for the next match is the Eng- England win. Uh, we would want rather, England rather win. Hope. <laughs> yeah. I wish the series win. will be alive. It will be exciting. Yeah. yeah. But Australia will be favorites. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think you know they have won three big matches in a row with the WTC final and the first test and this one. So I think they are on a roll. But you know. Plenty of uh, big decisions to take for both the teams in terms of team selection. Um, for Australia, do you think um, Todd Murphy comes in for Nathan Lyon, like for like? Um, he can bat a bit as well, uh, Todd Murphy. Or do you think yep. it will be Boland and they would? Yeah, I would with... want for I I would want for this Test match uh, Murphy to come instead of Lyon, and just to give you know fast bowler rotation and give a rest, just uh, not out of form, nothing like that. I would want then Boland to come instead of uh, Hazelwood. So right. that, you know, they will be fresh for the remaining two matches as well. Because there will mm. be plenty of short bowling and stuff like that. So you just want to make sure that your fast bowlers are pretty much there. Yeah, I think... And, uh, and for, I think, and for I think, England, 
Hmm. Uh, I would want like I really want now Mark would if he's there in the squad make him play instead of Anderson. Yes. Yeah, I think Anderson just even even at Lords with this with the with the green green pitch, I think he just looked out of touch. I think um, finally, I think you know, sort of time is catching up to him. And are we seeing the sort of the beginning of the end? Is the end near for Jimmy Anderson, the good old Jimmy Anderson? It has to come because he's already forty. I'm a huge fan fan of James Anderson, but having said that, you know, after a few years, if not now, you there will be another bowler instead of James Anderson. You want to give new bowlers a chance as well because the amount of cricket broad and Anderson have played, it will be very difficult to replace their shoes. So, I think it's better that you know if they're young bowlers playing. Instead of them giving them a chance as well, because you won't be expecting them from the first test that the new bowlers will be, you know, up to the mark. So they will also need some test matches. So, but at the end, it will be the decision of Anderson if he wants to quit on his own. Because the last thing you would want him then the team management dropping him and then forcing him to retire. So, <clears throat> especially in the English summer, you know. Uh, Manchester is his home ground. You can yeah, uh, yeah. make him play in that test match. And if he decides after the Oval Test match, if he doesn't want to play anymore, then I think after that he should. Yeah, I think I think he can yeah, still uh, play test match. Play... No, there's no doubt on his credibility, his ability. He can, he's very fit enough. But at the same time, I think you want now new bowlers coming up as well. Like 20, 20 years as a fast bowler playing. At the highest level is no joke. Yeah, is no joke. Yeah, and there's no doubt about his uh, ability or anything. I think he's just proved it time and again that age is just a number for him. But I think uh, I would sort of give him a break in the next match, just to keep him fit mentally more than anything. Because he said it after the first match that if they continue to get pitches like that, then he's done for the series, right? Yeah, he struggled with the pitch conditions and with reducing movement and with reduced swing. There's no reversing happening as well. His performance in the series so far, um, you know, has been below average, and his own and by his own statements, right? Like like flat flat pitches like these are his kryptonite. I think then he just you know can't do anything because he doesn't have the pace anymore, and he was relying. You know, for all these years on, on seam movements and, uh, you know, swing early on. And then when the ball gets old, he could he could get the reverse swing going. And when none of these things are happening, I think it's just, you know, it, it renders him null and void. So getting a sort of pace injection with Mark would, would I think, do, do them a, um, you know, a great favor. And it would keep Anderson fresh for the next two matches, like both mentally and physically. Yep, absolutely. And I was thinking of getting find a play, find a place. Exactly, I was thinking that only. I would want him to play, but I would want him. I would want Moin Ali to be bowling as many overs as well. So in case if he just bowl eight, ten overs, then it won't be that good for me. If you if you ask me personally, but the scene is whom will you want to replace? Because I don't want Broad to be missing because Broad is still 
you know taking wickets at crucial time yeah broadus i would then want uh, robinson even the robinson is getting wickets but you know with moin ali he can give you an option of another batsman if he bowls you know moin ali has to then bowl 20 25 overs such yeah. if he does that if he is comfortable if his fingers will be fine i think i would then want moin ali to be coming instead of robinson i don't want to drop now josh tang because he has proved and he was a bit quicker as well and he did yeah. bowl well yeah i think it was brilliant josh tang and ole robinson is getting quite a bit of flack for for his bowling i think michael holding called it mickey mouse bowling you know, when you're bowling at a you know 170 miles odd pace um when you are a front line english bowler you know loss of opinions going but yeah i think he even though he got the wickets he uh, you know it's not like out of form but it's just that if you want to replace and make your bowling or team in general stronger then maybe for this test match i would want moin ali can come instead of robinson which can give england you know another batsman and moin ali can bat and Yeah, he can bat. He's better batsman, definitely, compared yeah, yeah. to him. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a better batsman. But just the bowling part, I, I'm just worried about Moen Ali as a bowler. Like, how many overs can he actually bowl? Because yeah. at least on an average, we saw that England bowlers are bowling 20 plus overs, you know, per right. innings. So if he's comfortable with that, he needs to step up and then prove that he can bowl that. Yeah. So if and... that happens, if that's on the card then yeah i would want moen ali instead of robinson uh, if yeah. not then i i don't see moen ali replacing any of the batsmen maybe i would have thought for ben duckett but no now ben duckett is there yeah yeah he's, no, he's no, been the best batsman so yes. far or if ollie pope is not yeah. fit enough for what because we saw the shoulder injury Think mm-hmm. he's still there in the squad, but in case yeah, interesting, yeah, interestingly he is still in the squad. Like he, he wasn't yep. replaced, even though um, Rehan Ahmed was taken out of the squad. He, he was you know, Rehan Ahmed was taken out of the squad. He was replaced, um, not replaced sort of. He was taken out of uh, the squad for the third test, but uh, Oli Pope retains his place. Yeah, I think Oli Pope, if he's not fully fit, I don't want him then to play. Then Moin Ali can play instead of Oli Pope. That's the only change that I'll see. Otherwise, the squad would remain the same. Right. I mean, and yeah, and yeah. I think Anderson, Broad, and Robinson. You can't, you can't play the the trio. Again, again. Yeah, you can't, you can't play that. There's no, there's no pace left there. And to be honest, even even if it lords, if you struggle, then no. Yeah, yeah. That was if yeah, absolutely true. I think if you can't, if you can't get going at lords, I think yeah. With that sort of condition, it was just tailor made for for swing bowling, and I think as many great matches we have seen from Anderson and Broad, I think it's finally time. And I think the the writing was on the wall for for a long time, but you just can't play Broad and Anderson at the same time anymore. I would still keep Broad. I think he's been brilliant. He is a brilliant bowler. I mean, he's got what six six hundred plus Test wicket. Right, he's is an absolute legend of the game. and he was brilliant in the second innings so i would absolutely keep keep broad but i think for the next match anderson and robinson got to go uh i think broad is not yet taken 600 plus wickets in test matches not yet close oh, to 593 okay. 593 okay yeah yeah so close yeah. in the in the series yeah you want that yes 
yeah in in the series hopefully even he has played 164 matches oh my god yeah matches that's I mean, the, some yeah for, for a fast bowler i mean that's like that's like a 200 plus like 230 plus test matches for a batsman or even a 250 ma- yeah. <laughs> matches for a batsman i mean even if you say they are just bowling in english conditions still 164 matches is yeah, no I mean, joke. even if like it doesn't matter if it's english english conditions yeah. like you're if you're a fast bowler you got every innings you got to bowl 20 25 plus overs right and for a fast bowler it doesn't get easier and especially as you as you get older and both of these bowlers they got better with age i mean it also see... shows that for a fast bowler if you want to play that many matches if you see his one day matches he has plays 121 matches and then 56 yeah, international yeah, t20 days them... so the priorities they've yeah. kept for test cricket yeah yeah i think they they decided that pretty early on and then i think we have seen the same thing in india as well with ishan sharma i think he he saw it pretty early on that he got to focus on you can either be like a wide ball specialist or if you want to if you want longevity then you know you have to focus on one one format and he he focused on dead ball cricket and so did you know anderson and broad and yeah this just absolute absolute stalwarts of the game absolute legends of the game and like their partnership was you know it's just beautiful to to watch and i've been you know fortunate enough to see it live i saw it i think 2016 series against sri lanka i i was that uh, at home in in leeds i watched that match and just to see anderson bowling in you know overcast conditions and anderson in all you know all his glory it was just phenomenal to watch he is like one of yeah. the great surely yeah yeah so yeah i think we have our sort of picks for the playing 11 for for both so we are picking uh, so we are guessing like todd murphy would come in for nathan lyon and for england we'd see mark wood for anderson and moin ali for robinson slash ali pope depending yeah, slash, on ali pope slash ali pope yes yes so i think yeah the plenty of big decisions to take for for both the teams all to play for you know even though australia are 2-0 uh, ahead I wouldn't put it past England to come back in a big, big way, and yes. yeah, another opportunity for for Ben Stokes to you know do something special again at Headingley. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe with the bat or with the ball. But you don't know. want that pressure also to be going, you know, right down to the wire, especially when England are two zero behind. At this point, England would want if they can have a comprehensive so that the players also feel confident. Right, but, and, but it, you know what? As as a neutral fan, man, it, yeah, it's the last two matches fan. have been absolutely delightful to watch, like going down to the wire. So I wouldn't mind another classic Test match <laughs> going down to the last session of the fifth day. I'm all for it. Sometimes, as a viewer, it gets more tense than you know when you're actually there on the field. Yeah, and you know the best thing about uh, the Ashes has been, you know, both the matches going down to the last session of fifth day, and all the excitement. you know but no anxiety because india isn't playing so you know it's just exciting whoever wins you know i i don't it doesn't affect me i'm just enjoying the cricket it's the best thing about watching ashes i think for me in general i when i whenever i look uh, watch any sports like i try to be neutral even if it's india play, india's playing because that's when you'll enjoy the game sometimes yeah, you know when you favor a particular team then you will be partial about it 
and that's when you will not enjoy you want your team to win that's it <laughs> yeah like that's my theory that's my way of looking into things yeah 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 i think yeah but for me uh, at least during the match i will absolutely yeah. i'm absolutely biased against <laughs> biased for india <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. i think once the yeah once the match ends my sort of critical thinking sort of overtakes all the emotions <laughs> then i can see it for what it's worth but yeah during the game i'm absolutely biased <laughs> but yeah so let's let's wrap it up it's been an absolutely phenomenal uh, couple of test matches uh, and it's been a delight for neutral fans like us and we're expecting more and more such matches as the ashes you know progresses and we are in for a thrilling contest uh, at headingly for the third match and uh, we're going to cover that as well So yes, match is starting on sixth of July, I believe. Yeah, Thursday yeah, yeah, on Thursday, yes. So not enough break time for the players. So yeah, yeah, will be tough yeah. for the players. Yeah, yeah the dynamics are going to be different by by yeah. the by the time fourth and fifth match starts. Yeah, it's it's been an absolutely amazing uh, English summer for cricket, and we just even can't for world cricket, not just goals. English cricket, just world cricket in general to watch. matches like this keeps cricket exciting test matches exciting and then you feel like okay you want yeah, to be a part yeah. of test cricket setup yeah there's also uh, uh world cup qualifiers going on and there's some big results but which we'll we'll talk about it uh in another episode so yeah it's been uh, it's been a fantastic ashes test match so far it's been absolutely brilliant thank you so much naman for coming to the coming to yet another episode I think it's been it's been absolutely pleasure having you. Thank you, the Panjun. Same here. Awesome. So, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back after the third test match of um, Ashes. And you know, when we might come back before that as well. You know, if there's some anything interesting to talk about. <laughs> But for for now, thank you for tuning into Beyond the Wicket. This is the Panjun. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. So that brings us to an end of this episode. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Wicket. I am Dipanjan Paul. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help and support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media and leave us a rating. To catch all the latest from me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Dipanjan. And if you have any request or questions about the podcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Beyond the Wicket and on Instagram at Beyond the Wicket Pod. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Wicket. I'll see you next time.